Coming up on today's show, we debut a new segment called Pick Six, where we answer your listener questions. Although, if this guy at Joe Thomas 73 keeps spamming us, we're going to have to shut it down. Oh, and we have Ohio's own Travis Kelsey joining the show to talk no look passes, talking sh- and taking one. We'll explain. Also, I don't care what anyone says, M&Ms are a candy bar. Joe Hawk yourself if you don't agree. All this and much, much more coming up on the Tomahawk Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tomahawk Show. It's your boy, your humblest of all co-hosts, Andrew Hawkins, joined as always by, in my opinion, the best left tackle in NFL history, Joseph Mm. Hayden Thomas. Listen, if you are living under a rock and this is your first time hearing the best piece of content to ever hit audio airways, I need you to subscribe, rate five stars so you don't ever miss it. This is not something you want to leave your life now that it's in it. Okay, it's similar to... Uh, indoor plumbing right it's hard to live without interact with the show at tomahawk show on reddit instagram twitter all of that facebook group tomaflock uh what else call our voicemail 440-628-1376 leave us a voicemail so we can play it on the show uh we always love when you guys leave us hilarious voicemails we laugh while joe is drinking his uh, spiked coffee that he likes to drink (laughs) joe how you doing this morning man I'm doing good. I've recovered. I've become optimistic once again for my Browns season. Yeah. It's just like going through an NFL season, right? After the game, you, if you lose, you feel terrible on a Monday. Mm-hmm. But by the time Tuesday, Wednesday rolls around, you've reset your mindset. You're back into looking forward at next week's game. And you're optimistic. And you've convinced yourself as to why you're going to win on Sunday. So I am absolutely sure the Browns will not lose on Sunday. Because they play on Monday this week. Yeah. On Monday, they're actually going to win. And I can't wait. So I'm jazzed, and it's going to be a great show today. All right. Awesome, man. Listen, on today's show, we got Kansas City Chiefs all pro tight end, three mm. guest of the mm. Tomahawk show, as he calls it, the Tomahawk. Also a Cleveland native. He's joining us here today. Super excited about that. We also answer a bunch of your questions in a segment that we call Pick Six. Right. So we're letting you as our listener produce the show because we suck at it. So we call in for free help. And that's what you provide. Joe, you talked about the Browns, man. Uh, Yesterday was Monday night football. And that was a terrible segue Mm. because the Browns had nothing to do with that. But yesterday was Monday night football. Did you watch either game or both games? So as you know, Hawk, I am an early riser, which means I go to bed very early. Okay, But I was able to stay up for the entire first game. Okay. So I watched the game, which happened to be one of the greatest endings probably in NFL history. Yeah. It's going to go down as probably the greatest Monday night opener in NFL history because in the last two minutes of that game, the lead switched back and forth. The improbable happened seemingly at every turn, and the Texans found a way to lose to the Saints, which was good for me because I picked the Saints in the Super Bowl versus the Browns this year, and so that uh, kept me feeling pretty good. Joe Flacco, eh, he was kind of like Joe Flacco. We A little bit of what we expected him yep. in Denver. He wasn't great. He wasn't okay. awful, but uh, he, he kind of – was who we thought he was going to be in that second game. Um, Oakland looked pretty good. David Carr. That was a surprise. Uh, Derek Carr. David Carr wasn't playing. Derek no, Carr. David Carr plays uh, with you. He's on the NFL. Derek Carr. He's Derek on your team. He, he came out and played really well under John Gruden, and maybe that tough love that Gruden's been giving him all offseason might pay off, and, and this might be the Derek Carr that we saw a few years ago when he was – 
potentially an MVP candidate. Somehow, Antonio Brown actually did bring the Oakland Raiders together. Well, I'll be damned. How about that? Those third and five, fifth round pick, actually worth it. I have a question. Think about for how you, crazy Joe. this would be. Go ahead. Is if Antonio Brown gets booted from Oakland, they win, look really good. Derek Carr looks amazing, throwing uh-huh. the ball to people that we've never heard of. <laughs> and what happens if the Patriots lose in week two when it's Antonio Brown's first game? Against Wouldn't that just be the ultimate it's- karma? In the entire world, you would just have to admit karma is real if the Patriots lost after what we saw from Oakland yeah, on Monday night. Yeah, but if the Patriots lose to the Dolphins in week two with Antonio Brown, there is going to be a lot of people who need triple fat goose winter jackets in hell because there is no <laughs> way possible that that is going – the Dolphins are going to beat the Patriots in week two. That is a drunk take. That is a – I didn't say it was going to happen. I'm saying okay. if it did happen, it would be amazing. All right. Well, let's talk about the first game, which i seen a little bit of. i seen the ending. My, my son actually showed me when I got home. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me is Deshaun Watson is still pretty good. And I put up an old yeah. tweet of Joe's. It says – in case you forgot, I like Deshaun Watson, but let's not put him in the Hall of Fame yet. He's got to prove he can do it for a full season. Now that teams have a scouting report on him, I'm excited to see if he can do it in year two. This was in 2018, January of 2018, Joe. How are you feeling about Deshaun Watson? I, I love Deshaun Watson. I think he has improved the way a lot of people have expected him to improve. He mm-hmm. continues to be able to throw the ball down the field. He's got great weapons at the receiver core. But the thing that I'm still worried about is the number of hits he takes. He yeah. was just getting clobbered all over the field on Monday night. And I worry for a guy that's not a huge guy, is he going to even be able to survive a season? They tried to upgrade their offensive line by trading for um, Laramie Tunsil from the Dolphins. He, he's a good left tackle. He was helping him. But I think Deshaun Watson still needs to do a better job of protecting himself because quarterback – Yes, your offensive line does a lot to protect you, but you need to protect yourself. You need to be able to get rid of the football when you have to get rid of it. And every play doesn't have to be a big shot down the field. That was one of the things that we thought Baker struggled with in week one is he so desperately wanted to throw the ball down the field to Odell and all those weapons. And he was holding on to it because he wanted to make the big play when sometimes the big play is just not there. Take the check down, throw to the running back, throw to the tight end or throw it out of bounds. Live to see another down. Don't try to kill yourself every play trying to throw the football down the field. All right, well, you're already giving hot takes on all kind of games, seasons, quarterbacks, situations. It's time to get into our first segment that we are calling Pick 6. One, two, three, four, five, six, six. This is Pick 6. In this segment, we're going to pick six questions from all of social media, from our voicemail line, from the email, you name it. The fans have given it to us, and we're going to answer them live on the show, me and you, talking about what we know, which is the game of football. Before we get into the pick six segment, just a reminder of all the ways you can get in touch with the show. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, at Tomahawk Show. Join our Facebook group, Tomahawk, T-H-O-M-A-F-L-A-W-K, for all of you that have been living under a rock and don't understand exactly how we do things. Lastly, call our voicemail, 440-628-1376. Our first question is from IG. One underscore defensive-minded says, should the Browns inquire about an OT, maybe Trent Williams? Joe? How ironic that the defensive-minded Instagram (laughs) name is asking an offensive question. Well, I can guarantee, Mr. Defensive-minded, that John Dorsey has talked with the Redskins and wants to know what the price for Trent Williams would be. 
The Browns struggled at tackle last week, but mainly because Greg Robinson got booted out of the game early on. They had to move uh, Hub to the left tackle. They brought in Kendall Lamb, who got injured right away. And so they were down to their third string left tackle. And those guys, they struggled throughout the game. But Trent Williams is one of the great offensive linemen in football. He's one of the greatest left tackles in history. So if the Browns could pick up a player like that, it would make them better. So there's no doubt that John Dorsey has talked to the Redskins, but I'm sure the Redskins aren't going to give him up for nothing. He's a guy with enough talent, and he's still young enough in his career that he's going to take a first-round pick and something else to get him. And I would think it would probably be a first and something like a third. And I think at this point, that's still probably just a little too rich for John Dorsey because even though it would make their team better, I still think John Dorsey looks at these tackles, Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard, and says, these guys are good enough for us to win with. And giving up a first and a third is too much for how much better they would get by adding a guy like Trent Williams. So I don't think it happens unless this holdout extends way into the season and the Redskins clearly know that they have got to get rid of him because he clearly won't be playing for them ever again. When that seat starts to get hot, I'm not insinuating that whatsoever, but they have a very, very talented roster. They need to win soon. All right. So, okay, question two comes from Twitter. Um, Sag Bobcat which I don't understand that Twitter name either. Mm. Serious question. Given complaints of beer being poured on a player, should the NFL consider banning players from leaping in the stands for player and fan safety? Personally, I'm okay with the Lambo leap, just inquiring if it will eventually come to that. Joe, Talk, you take that one first. All right, I'll go first. I, I think they might already ban players jumping in opposing stands. I think that's against that's the rules. That's correct. So it's only home you're supposed to do it. That being said... I do think it's an a-hole thing for a fan to pour beer, even if it's an opposing player, on the player. And obviously we're talking about the situation where the Titans player jumped into the the fans in Cleveland, into the dog pound, and a couple of the fans threw beer on them. And I I get the fans are, like, super passionate. Um, I just think it's opening up a can of worms that it probably will come to that. Yo, just when you jump in the stands – we're sending big fine letters to everybody. Everyone's getting fined because you don't want a situation like malice in the palace. You know, you don't want that to be a situation. Nobody wants that to be a situation. Fans don't want that. Players don't want that. So we probably need to mitigate that ASAP. Decisions have consequences. If you violate NFL rules and you jump into the away team stands, you should expect people to dump beer on you. We're talking about beer here, guys. We're not talking about throwing glass bottles. We're not talking about he shanked him when he came into the stands. He got beer on his jersey. I'm pretty sure he doesn't do his own laundry. He's going to be okay. But if you break the rules, you should understand those fans aren't just going to put up with it and just accept it. They're going to throw beer on you. And then you're going to go on your merry way. You're going to get your $15,000 fine from Roger Goodell. That's the way it should be. So don't jump into the way team stands. Decisions have consequences. Someone should tell AB that there's rules. And if you break the rules, stuff happens and you might not like that stuff. That is a stupid take from Joe. That, yes, you. decisions have consequences. That doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. Like you don't get to throw beer on another person. If I see you in the bar and I, you came and talked to my lady and I threw beer in your face, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Because you no, because I didn't break any rules. You did break a rule. If, you broke the unwritten it, no. rule of don't talk to no. my lady. So now we're talking about unwritten you, rules. You better, you better hope I don't break your face. Okay. First. We're talking about unwritten rules. Now we're talking about That's, ego and respect. So you're talking That's about different. unwritten consequences? Like if I okay came up to, to you. Beer on, on players? That makes zero sense to me. 
If I came up to you in a bar and I okay. punched you in the face and I broke the law, I would expect that you would throw your beer on me because you're a little baby and you'd be afraid Perfect. to punch me back Perfect. because I'm so much better in shape than you are. I know your beer or excuse okay. me, your Mountain Dew and pizza diet would have no chance like up against it. a chiseled <laughs> Mr. Clean bald guy like myself. So you'd probably dump beer on me to get back at me because I'm soft, right? You're very soft. So you agree that if a fan throws beer on a player, it's soft because you know you're protected and you know you're in an environment where that player can't grab you by your neck and choke you out in front of 70,000 screaming fans. If that's your take, we should probably nip it all in the bud. Yes, player. We're not talking about the fan the right now. No We're fan. talking about Don't throw Logan beer at Ryan. somebody that you would not throw beer on if you seen them out in the public. We're talking about Logan Ryan okay. holding back and not violating the NFL rules and jumping into the way team stands. Okay. We're not talking about a fan who broke the rules also by throwing beer. Yes, he's going to get in trouble. But let's not make this mountain out of a molehill here because Logan Ryan, don't jump in the stands. You won't have beer dumped on you. You don't have to cry about it. Okay, so you don't think the player – so the player should be penalized. The player should be punished and he the will fan be. should be punished. He will be. Okay, as long as everyone's punished, we're on the same page. All right, let's move on. All right, next question. From, from Facebook. This is from Malik Matlock, who is clearly the cousin of the famous detective. Excluding <laughs> yourselves. Do you remember the, what that... The black, uh, the black cousin of the, the famous detective, Malik Matlock. <laughs> Malik Matlock. <laughs> I would love to see a nice Tomahawk show meme with Malik Matlock and see what he looks like. That would be good. We need him to continue to produce our show. All right, excluding yourselves. <laughs> who's the most talented player you've played with? Curious as to where Josh Gordon rakes among them? Go Browns and Joe Hawk yourself. It's a great question. Boy, I, I, I'm going to take this one first, and I'm going to say, honestly, I think Josh Gordon is the second most talented player that I ever played with. Number two. Big, fast, physical, quick, strong, great hands. One, uh-huh. of, the, one of the best set of hands out of any receiver I'd ever played with, but the most physically talented player that I ever played with was a guy that went by the name Big Baby, Sean Rogers. And I'm not mm. sure if you were in the league when he was playing, but I, I'm sure your brother was. Yep. This dude was 380 pounds. He could take a 16-pound shot put. He could dunk it. He had over a 30-inch vertical. And mm. when we used to do uh, banded bench press, we used to do chain bench press in the weight room, which kind of measures explosion. Yep. He would be using... 100 pounds more than Alex Mack and I, and we weren't weaklings, but he would use 100 pounds more than us, and he would move the bar 20% faster. Mm. And that's no exaggeration. And so meatheads that are listening to this podcast, we've used those Tendo machines that measure how fast the bar is moving, and his would be at like 1.2 meters per second. And and me and uh, Alex would be using 135. He was using 225. We'd use 135, and we'd be moving between 0.9 and 1 meter per second, which was unbelievable this guy could broad jump over 10 feet he was literally a tight end the way he could move in a 380 pound body and his contract said he had to be under 360 pounds to play and he struggled to get there because he was so freaking big Mm. that's a good take josh gordon ranks for me probably one oh geez one b Whoa. It's tough. You're, I'm, you're 1A? Or I'm, am also, I 1A? I'm also you a can former New England Patriot, and I've played with some greats, <laughs> including Tom Brady. You know, me and that guy, we, we did it up yeah. big. But excluding Tom the Brady Patriots, excluding is the myself least and physically Joe, talented I'm, player that you've ever played with. Gronk was a different kind of dominant in practice, too, even for the 17 practices I was there. But we'll, we'll exclude <laughs> the Patriots. I'm going to say 
Gordon is 1B to A.J. Green. And only oh, for this really? reason. Only because Josh had some issues going on when I first got to Cleveland. And I heard, like, you know, when I got there, guys like Joe were singing his praises. Like, nah, man, you don't get it. That guy is our only hope. Like, he's the best on the team. He does this. He does that. And he wasn't really a hard worker, obviously, in practice, right? So I had a, I had trouble seeing it. And he had a lot of stuff going on in his life. And he was not showing up. And he wasn't looking great in practice. He would quit on balls and things like this. Is, this is early on. He leaves after he gets suspended. He comes back when Hugh is there. Now, he had a stint with Hugh early on where Hugh was basically like, yo, if you're not all in, we're going to get rid of you. And I don't know where Josh was in his life, but he responded. And he was practicing hard. And to see how dominant this dude was in practice, like I told somebody, I'm like, yo, if he stays healthy and he is, you know, stays clean and is able to play in the season, he will probably have break the receiving yard record eventually because it was that effortless to a, to the dude. Six five, we would run these um, conditioning, and I always pride myself on being the first guy to finish in conditioning. I had really good conditioning. Obviously, I'm a smaller guy. I got to be the best at that. And we would have these sprints, and this dude would take off and literally blow right by me. And I'm a fast dude, like, but he was just different. So his 1B is only to A.J. Green. But it's second to only A.J. Green, he, uh, A.J. was dominant literally from the, the day he stepped into the NFL. Like 2011, he was a rookie. They had just gotten rid of Ter- Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco, Carson Palmer basically, not basically, he told the Bengals, like, I will never step foot in your facility ever again. I will retire before I play for you. A.J. Green came in and was just dominant in the league, dominant in practice, was clearly the best player on our team by a large margin. So he was a physical freak as well. Um, so one reason that I, I think you probably weren't blown away by Josh right away in practice is because his stride length is so long that when you see him running, he doesn't look like he's moving that fast until you see the little DBs trying to keep up with him. And he's taken one stride for every one, every two of theirs. And so he just blows by people. And I think early on in his career, especially guys would be standing out there with a huge cushion and he would start running at him full speed. And it didn't look like he was moving that quickly. And all of a sudden they'd open their hips and turn to run. Yeah. And he would just blow right past him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not arguing that. Like I, I was just yeah. really not impressed at the beginning. Like, cause he wasn't going up for contested catches. He wasn't it's okay. like the ball you was can too say far. You're a bad scout. I was a terrible Josh Gordon scout. Also Browns fans hate to hear this, but I couldn't be more happy for the dude right now. I'm hoping he keeps it together. He's killing it. Um, he really is a good person. He just had a lot of struggles. All right, we'll go on to the next question. Where are we on? Question number what? We're number four here. This one comes from Reddit. Okay. This is Ghost in the Sean. Another interesting name. Wow. Uh, actually, coincidentally enough, is there any names on Reddit or Instagram that make any sense? Yeah. I'm no. not on either one of them, but it seems like none of them make any sense. Yeah. Well, my Instagram name is Hawk. Whatever happened to like Andrew Hawkins, 86 or like, um, you know, your name and then your birthday <laughs> or your name and then the year you're in or are all those already taken? Yeah, this isn't this isn't 1998. This isn't your AOL joke. screen name. Yeah, no, nah, <laughs> 1996. Welcome. All the good usernames are taken. You better get right. creative. Week one is in the books, but DraftKings isn't finished celebrating with some huge fantasy football contests. For week two of the football season, DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, is giving new users a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit when you put in code TOMAHAWK during sign-up. 
Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with this football season. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at over 1.5 million in prizes. Download the DraftKings app now and use code TOMAHAWK. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. New users, don't forget to enter our code TOMAHAWK to get a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit. That's code TOMAHAWK only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Ghost in the Sean wants to know, Hawk, what is your favorite candy bar? And this is the reason I read this question is because I know you're going to have a good one here because you're Mr. Sweets. I am Mr. Sweets. I am a sugar fiend. Listen, we talked about prior to the show, like, yo, let's not go too long on subjects. And we've already, (laughs) we do that every show and we just keep doing it. I feel like we're doing pretty good. We're moving along until you brought that up. Well, that is a a precursor to what I'm about to say because now you know what I'm going to say. I watched... The Food That Built America, which was a very interesting docuseries done by the History Channel. I can't Channel. wait to watch that. And in that, they talk about basically the candy bar industry and how it was built by Milton Hershey, who had an idea to sell milk chocolate in America. And he mm. found some place that he's like, I want to build a whole town around it, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm. And his competitor, he was actually supplying with chocolate, was the Mars family who developed Three Musketeers, Snickers, Milky Ways, and he actually was giving the chocolate to his number one competitor. In that, Mars son, and this is, I'm getting to my favorite candy bar in about 30 seconds. Mars son was mad that it was actually his dad's company and he wouldn't give him 30% of the company that he was like, I'm going to make my own way and do my own thing. At Hershey, the guy who was running the company thought that once Milton Hershey retired, he would become the CEO. Milton Hershey made someone else the CEO when he retired. So you have two disgruntled employees from opposite ends both whose last name I think started with M, they came together and said, let's make our own candy bar. And they called it the M&M. M&M is Stop. my favorite candy bar. And that is a true really? story of how M&Ms were developed. How wild is that? That's a great story, but M&Ms aren't candy bars. That is a candy bar. What? And M&Ms aren't it's a, candy a candy bar? bar. It's a snack. It's It'd be not- like saying goldfish is my favorite candy bar. <laughs> I mean, it's candy, but it's not a bar. That's stupid. <laughs> that, is the, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Eminem is a candy so bar. So if you had to pick a candy bar and answer the damn question, what would be your favorite candy bar? Eminem is a candy bar. That is not All in right. the candy bar category. All right. It's not a bar. It's a like a little piece, like a Reese's piece or a Skittle. Are you that would serious be right now? Candy <laughs> item. We're looking for a candy bar. <laughs> Sorry, Hawk. Wrong answer. We're looking for a candy bar. Well, I'm going to take this one since you refused to answer the question. I answered it. My favorite candy bar is a Snickers because they're delicious and they have caramel and I love them, but I don't eat them very much. Okay. So M&Ms aren't a candy bar is what you're telling me. I I think... Uh, I think a lot of our listeners would disagree. Hit us up on social media at Tomahawk Show. Put us on a Twitter poll. If M&Ms is a candy bar. All right. Next question comes from Reddit. uh, Vinero. 
Again, I don't quite know what's going on with the username. That's like a play on Robert De Niro, I think. Okay, I'll take it. All right, on the show last week, you mentioned some things rookies had to do in their first year, like buying food, etc. Were there any other locker room rituals for newcomers? Did either of you have to go through any? Joe, what did they hate yeah, you to do? Every team has their own little ritual and hoops that the rookies have to jump through. When I was a rookie, they first of all shaved my head, which gave me a, a beautiful haircut that I've now revisited later in life as uh, more of my <laughs> hair has decided to run away. Uh -huh. uh, we had to buy McDonald's on Saturday mornings. Um, we had to buy pizzas for the offensive line, like if we had late meetings in training camp. Um, you had to carry pads. Um, if if the, the older guys ever needed you to go to the store and buy food or whatever for them, you were just kind of like their secretary. Uh, one thing that I had to do in training camp is whenever I went into the cafeteria, they made or they bought like this little pig hat. It looked like a piggy bank. It was like a pink piggy bank hat and it had wings on it. And the offensive lineman made me put that on and wear it in the cafeteria during all meals during training <laughs> camp to try to like humiliate me or whatever. Uh, and so I would wear that and people would come in and take the liberty to just point and laugh right in my face. And love it. You know, after a while, you're like, all right, I get it. I'm sick of it. I'm wearing a freaking piggy bank with wings on my head. Okay, I get it. This is cool. <laughs> The uh, end of this joke. Let's let's move on with our life now. What about you, Hawk? No, that was good that you answered it because I have nothing because I came to mm. the league from Canada. And <laughs> you were thirty. I was like, year. I was thirty-eight years old with seven kids. Two of them actually played <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball, um, <laughs> so nobody could make me do anything. I was twenty-five when I came, and like AJ was a rookie, and I think we had a couple. Like there were players that were on the team for years that were already younger than me. So they felt weird about trying to make me go get Popeyes for him. So I just flew under the <laughs> radar, man. No hazing for your boy. All right. Question number six comes from Reddit user AEGrant71. And he asks, what's the pecking order for who gets to pick the music in the locker room? Is it an offense versus defense thing? Or is it all about seniority? I don't think there is a pecking order. I think it's just rando. I always hate locker room music, man. I, I hate listening to people's music. I hate people thinking I want to hear their music. The worst thing is the guy who brings the waterproof uh, speaker into the shower and plays his oh. music in the shower. It's like, yo, I'm trying to scrub off the stress of, of professional football, and you're in mm -hmm. here playing the Dixie Chicks. Like, I just want to be one with my thoughts right now. Mm -hmm. You know who was the big violator of being the locker room DJ in the shower was our man RG3. Oh, he, was he was always playing music in the shower, and I couldn't figure that out. Like, just give me one space where I don't have to listen to somebody else's music oh. that should be in the shower. And you know what was even more strange than that is it was uh, late one night when Robert was our starter, and quarterbacks, they always stay super late during yep. the week, and I was a late guy too because I like to watch a lot of film I was big on prep and I was always nervous that I wasn't going to be ready so I was mm -hmm. watching tons of films so we were like the last two guys <laughs> in the locker room and I swear to god I was in the shower and he had his phone and he was um playing music uh -oh. and he got a FaceTime call <laughs> and he answered it and he FaceTimed from in the shower now granted there was no a nudity that was shown or anything like that to my knowledge but I thought 
Man, if there's ever a place where you don't answer a FaceTime call, it's when you're in a communal shower in the NFL, which unlike what Hawk would like to see, they still don't have separate stalls. Oh, so it's, it's just dude. one big prison shower with a bunch of heads around the outside. It's not like curtains or anything like that. So I was thinking to myself, man, that kind of is a faux pas to answer your phone on a FaceTime call when you're in the shower, especially when you're in the shower with like other dudes. Yeah. That, 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 that was a violation. So I next time like we have RG3 on, we're going to have to ask him about that one. I hate FaceTime locker room, period. And then like you said, I'm going to die on that heel. Why don't we separate the showers in NFL locker rooms? I've seen something on social media where you can go to a Cowboys game. You can select the players you want to take a picture with. You step back. The pictures, the, the players then walk onto the screen like augmented reality and get in the picture with you. That's the kind of technology we're working with in these NFL facilities, except nobody can figure out how to put up dividers in a 14-person in a shower. That we got to go shoulder to shoulder. There are times in away game. This is honest to God truth. We share shower heads. Am I lying, yep. Joe? No, that's actually happened multiple times. You pull in the Oakland, shower in the they middle. They only have two shower heads. Side, and you wash up and then one person gets in. He gets out while the other person is washing. And you are literally sharing showers. It's ridiculous. I can go on Amazon right now and buy 100 shower curtains for probably under $1,000. And put them up in home and away locker rooms for the Browns for the next couple of weeks. But yet for some reason, the NFL doesn't believe in it. They don't care. They can't figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to produce a documentary about the person who pioneers the NFL in setting up dividers in their showers, in the locker rooms, because it's, it's necessary. I'm going to die on that hill. So right. anyways, let me answer that question really quickly for okay. the uh, unknown Reddit user there. Uh, in my experience, the best rule about, who controls the music is the biggest, strongest, oldest man always gets to control the music. Although that yeah. didn't always happen. No. That was always my favorite rule because for a while there, it was me. <laughs> okay. And I'm sure it was terrible. Pac-Man Jones controlled the music <laughs> in, the, in the Bengals locker room. That's a surprise. Yeah. He, he a lot of country music. music. Oh, yeah. A lot of country. A lot of Dixie Chicks. A lot of... Uh, and I can't even... He was a Garth Brooks country, fan, wasn't he? Country music artist that I'm trying to point to. Uh yeah, Pac-Man Jones, a lot of uh, Atlanta trap music. All right, we got an extra point because um, when you have six points, you always get an extra point. Extra point. So we got Hannah B twenty five from Instagram says Demarcus Lawrence denied a fan an autograph for wearing a Giants jersey. Have you guys ever denied a fan before, Joe? I'm interested if Hannah B twenty five can follow up on if her being a fan was offended for that fan or if she felt like Demarcus Lawrence did a good thing by being loyal to the Cowboys and not signing for a Giants because Giants Cowboys those are huge rivals and so okay. if you're a Giants fan it's it's understandable from from my perspective for the Cowboys to be like no you're a Giants fan I'm not signing for you if a Steelers fan came up to me after a game and was like hey can I have your autograph I might say no I mean there's some bad blood there and I don't think that's that crazy um but I will say to answer her question, I've never denied a fan a request for an autograph if I had time. Of course, like there's situations Subjective. where you're either like running to catch a meeting or catch a, a flight or you're in a game and you, you've, you, you know, the game's over and you've got to get in the locker room because the coach is about to speak. You know, there's certain situations where you don't have time to spend to sign autographs for somebody. So, yes, that's happened. But 
if you have the time, I think for the most part, most guys are going to sign the autographs, uh, even if they are wearing the opponent's jersey. Listen, I think I, I you you are the most interesting man in the world, Joe, because some of your oh, takes really are nice so profane, and some of your takes are the complete opposite of what a fan wants to hear, and huh? some of your takes are profane. So it's like <laughs> Whoa. that's just profane and nice. profane. But thank you. Well done. Um, so in this situation, yes, this kind of made me upset because I would never deny a little kid an autograph because they're wearing an opposite jersey. I'm happy that they're fans. So it was a little kid. It so was that a changes kid. it a little bit. Yeah. I would say if it's a little kid, usually the kid is the fan of whatever team because their parents are the fan or they live in that city. And they can be fans of a lot of people. Like I feel like the older you get, the more hardened you are to being Autograph. a fan of only your team. Whereas when you're a kid, like when I was a kid, I loved Reggie White and Brett Favre and the Packers, but I also did cheer for Barry Sanders because I loved watching him play. He was awesome. Um, and so I think for a fan, if it's a little kid, you should probably sign that even if he is wearing yeah. a Giants jersey. I don't think you guys realize how often Joe tells fans no. Um, <laughs> when he says I'm it, not a jerk like you who who at the mall <laughs> refused to sign that poor, poor, poor daughter of whatever that guy <laughs> that hates you. There has never been a fan that I like. There can't there, a fan can't come and like a legitimate fan that you can identify with a face and name and 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 say that Andrew Hawkins wouldn't give their kid an autograph. You like, are it, usually it, really good. It, at that. It's never happened. I was yeah, the little really kid doing. It. I used to write letters to players and send cards in the mail and hope they would send it back. Keith Brooking sent me a card back. Um, Chad Scott, who was a corner for the Steelers, he sent me a card back. Rasheed Wallace, I met him once. He gave me an autograph. Um, Eric Bieniemy, offensive oh. coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully I can have time to tell that story one day. Um, he gave me an autograph as a kid, but that <laughs> is why I became such a sports fanatic. So I'm, I'm, I, I hate, I hated to see the video of him walking by a kid. I thought it was, so, I thought it was messed up. We, we have an, another uh, two extra points. Actually, this one comes from Joe Thomas 73 mm. on Twitter. Another dumbass uh, username. He would, he would like to ask, as a professional athlete, would it make you uncomfortable if somehow your address became public and fans were sending directly to your house things for you to sign or do you not care about it? And the reason this person on Twitter asked this is because when they were living in Cleveland, uh -huh. the house address became public mm -hmm. and that person got a lot of fan mail to the house and it made him a little bit uncomfortable because there could be some crazy fans out there yep. that, you know, now that they have your address and by signing all these things and writing back to all these different fans that write it to your house, one of them may be using it as a, uh, cover to find out if that's really your house before yep. they come and do bad things to the house. Yeah, no, that sucks. And it is, you don't want people having your home address because it gets weird. One time, uh, a, uh, a delivery man tweeted, Hey, I just delivered to your house. And he like took a picture of my address on the box and put it out on social oh. media. Oh, and I'm like, lot, buddy. Oh, sweet. Luckily I've since moved from there, but I was like, Oh, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. Don't do that. Anyway, what's, what's next, man? So actually, we have a third extra point, being that now that extra points are a little further back, they're so much more difficult to make. We thought three <laughs> would be the appropriate number. This one comes from at Joe Thomas 73 on Twitter again. He's a big <laughs> fan of the Tomahawk. And he asks, Hate this did dude. you see that video of Bill Belichick stone cold uh, avoiding the handshake from the fan when he was coming out of the tunnel from, I don't know, this is last year, I think. 
Yeah, no, that that's every week because Bill Belichick, he doesn't shake his own team's hand. So why would I expect him to shake a fan's hand? Literally, we walked Shh. in a hallway 40 yards long, just us two, and he didn't even make eye contact with me. Did you try to reach your hand out to give him a handshake? I, and I, I went for the whole ignored it. the straight bro hug. Like, my guy Bill B, what up, bruh? <laughs> what up, Double B? <laughs> and he, like, chopped my arm down. And um, so, so do we think it's okay that he's on brand even when he's meeting young fans and he refuses to slap them five? Yeah, he's just a grumpy old man. That's what, I mean, <laughs> he's a grumpy old man who knows football better than every other human. <laughs> like, you got to respect that. All right, well, I think that's good for our pick six segment with three extra points that uh, an idiot Twitter username at Joe Thomas 73 submitted. <laughs> uh, we're going to make a Smartest call Smartest thing now. you've ever said. Let's call our guy, big friend of the show, Thomahawk creator, Travis Kelsey. Hello? 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 Hello. You've reached the Tomahawk line. All right, ladies and gentlemen, listen, it is a pleasure to welcome in the greatest tight end in the history of the National Football League. Um, <laughs> and not only that, he renamed the podcast last time he was on to the Tomahawk show that everyone was super. The Tomahawk, baby. Tomahawk is back Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, I don't think I gave his name. Travis Kelsey, ladies and gentlemen. Travis, how does it feel to be the first three-peat guest of the Tomahawk Show? Oh, nice, nice. That was that's mm. a surprise. I, thought, I would have thought you guys have had uh, plenty of Clevelanders uh, jump on the show. And a lot more uh, special guys than myself, for sure. But uh, it's awesome, man. I appreciate you guys having me all, all, all these times. That's the first time I can disagree with you because you are the most special Clevelander that I've ever met outside yeah. of Stipe, of course, because he is a world champ now. And I, I got to know, he is the world were you champ. cheering for our man Stipe? Did you get an opportunity to watch that great fight? Yes. Yes. So I, I, I jumped on the, uh, the app on the plane or I mean on the bus ride to the plane. It was right after one of our preseason games. But yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him knock, knock was it Crummer? I don't even know the dude's name. I saw him knock him out. And, nah, it doesn't I mean, matter. The champ still. Listen. To this day. Kelsey, if you had to fight Stipe, what, what is your strategy? You're both two pretty big kick guys. Him in the balls. Okay, ball kick. Nice. <laughs> that's uh, a <laughs> legendary, legendary strategy. Uh, you should actually be a UFC coach. Um, Distract so, his mind. Let's get, yeah. right, let's get right into some football, Kelsey. And by football, I mean... You're Kansas City Chiefs, and you're all-everything quarterback, who was amazing, by the way. He reminds me of so many of the Cleveland QBs that I played with. But um, <laughs> So he, he attempted to throw you a no-look pass in the game, mm. and it actually did look like a Cleveland Browns pass. What mm. was your thought process when you sprung wide open, and you know you have the greatest, most talented quarterback anyone's ever seen? He no-looked you, and he overthrew you. How did that make you feel? Um, I mean, it, it was... I, in my mind, I'm just like, there's got to be somebody back there, right? <laughs> like, I just, there's got to be. And so I was just, I, I was like, oh, wow, that was to me. And then you look at it, and it, the, the camera view from behind the, the end zone, I mean, that's, that's blatant. He, there's mm. no way he could, like, he could hide from that. You could just slow motion <laughs> see that he was no looking at it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he said it. I mean, he owes me, he owes me dinner. But uh, we'll see. We'll so yeah, Kansas City's goes. Kansas City's known for some good barbecue joints. Where are you going to make Patrick take you to dinner? Uh, you know what? I might just make him 
take me up to Minsky's Pizza where he can get a Kelseroni. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Some of the proceeds are going to 87 and running, which is helping out the underserved kids in the uh, Kansas City community. I love that. I love that. Well, listen, um, so barbecue, how many more times does Patrick Mahomes have to miss you on a pass before you actually have the conversation with him and say, hey, man, no more no-look passes for me? Um, you know what? I just keep them coming. Just keep them coming. They're going to start to land. That's his first. That's his first miss. Yeah, just keep them coming. Okay. I don't think I'll ever really say anything. As, as long as you're passing the ball to Travis, he's happy. Like he doesn't really care <laughs> doesn't if it's care. no look, if it's look, if he misses him once or twice. Well, as long as the ball is coming to Trav, he, he's a happy. Guy. We crunched yeah. the numbers up until this point, and it's Googleable by Spot Track. Travis has made roughly thirty-two million dollars in his career. He has thirty-two career oh. touchdowns. By that standard, each touchdown is worth $1 million. So this oh. better be a hell of a barbecue or a Kelseroni pizza that he's, that he's taking mm. you for. Yeah, that is actually. Uh, I mean, when you put it like that, it kind of like, yeah, come on. Just, just put it in there. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, ma- maybe he can get you a Richard Milley watch that you can rock during the game. <laughs> you know, I don't think Andy Reid will, uh, will allow that in the uh, right. Kansas City <laughs> locker room. So I'll just he can, he can keep it. We were talking all about the OBJ watch, and Hawk really had to educate me because I didn't really know what the Richard Milley watch was, and I had no idea how expensive it was. But would you ever spend three hundred or four hundred or however many hundred thousands of dollars just for a watch? Absolutely, he would. Well, no, Hawk, I, I didn't not. ask you. No? I asked Travis. I want to hear from his mouth. I would not. Oh wow, swag daddy. Not. Are you serious? Three, I, three. I mean, how much money am I making? Am I making Odell money, or am I? You're like, making, Od- you're oh, making Odell. Odell. You're making money. Odell, or or Joe Thomas. If we're making money. Odell money, then yeah, I'd probably play in the game with a three hundred fifty thousand dollars watch. There you go. Well, that's the question. All right, so you're you're not going to buy the watch, but if they gave it to you, because they probably gave yeah, Odell sure. the watch for free, would you wear it in a game though and risk it breaking? Um, I mean, is it in the contract? I mean, what are we really talking about? Yeah. I, uh, I I think I would go for it. Right. I go for it. Mm. I think we're on the Why same not? page there. I would too, especially if somebody gave it to me. I really wouldn't care then. Travis, who talked the most shit in the game from the Jaguars? Who was like giving talking the most? Because they're a talkative bunch. The whole defense over there. Uh, twenty twenty can run his mouth pretty good. Uh, in forty four, would you happen quite a bit? But we knew that going into it. I mean, yeah. it's nothing new. They were doing it last year and the year before. So do you talk smack? I mean, you kind of you kind of understand. Um, only when like. Yeah. <laughs> Only that's, all I, that's all I can really say. Yeah, I was going to just get into like the philosophical reason why I talk back, but then that's just giving ammo to the defense. Okay. To do yeah, that. We won't do to that. trigger me. That's smart. Yeah. You never know who's listening to the Tomahawk show. <laughs> Speaking about something else that gives me a, uh, a very excited reaction, your, your brother was in the body issue of ESPN oh, yeah. the magazine and – was there any smack talk between the two of you after you got to see his naked body? No, no, no. I was actually kind of embarrassed. Probably how he felt about my TV <laughs> show was the very, I was kind of like, ah, man, I don't even want to talk to this guy. Uh, were you, were you jealous? I think he mentioned that, but I was like, man, was I, what? no, I were was you, not Were you jealous that he was approached to pose naked in a magazine before you were as the heartthrob that you are? No. No. That is not why I would. I was embarrassed. <laughs> I I don't I don't really know. 
I don't, okay. I, you know what it was is just the, the pale cheeks, at least jump in the tan, tanning bed or something <laughs> like, oh. and the flying V on the, the front cover, the main port though, the flying V with the Eagle the f- over the genitals. Yeah. That was a lot. I mean, that was a little close, like thigh, thigh to cheek. It looked like they were right on each other. They, they were close. They, was, they were definitely getting acquainted. Joe Thomas it's knows close. about that with his offensive line. Well, yeah, I think it, it uh, should be asked because ESPN, the magazine, the body issue, they always talk about, you know, we're celebrating all these bodies, right? But as a former offensive lineman, I've seen plenty of offensive linemen in the shower and it's not a pretty sight. So can you get on board with a petition from me and Hawk that ESPN, the body should ban offensive linemen from being in their naked issue? No, no. Why, why would I do that? Jason's a trendsetter, man. He is a trendsetter. He's trends the next Next year is going to be hopefully the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, you know, and then Mitchell Schwartz will be on the front cover. Mitchell Schwartz on the butt naked on the front of ESPN. Oh my god, I'm all for it. My subscription. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) All right. So in the off season, um, Rob Gronkowski called it a career, and it was always a debate with who was the best tight end in the NFL. Is it Travis Kelsey or is it Gronk? We'll start off here. Not on this show. Not there on this no show. There was no debate on Obviously, this show, just so you know. If you didn't hear the intro, we already know what the answer to that question is. Do you feel like you are the best tight end in the NFL unequivocally? I don't even know what unequivocally means. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> even prior to Gronk retiring, obviously you felt that way, correct? I mean, I, yes, I feel like I give my team the best chance to win. I mean, that's just the confidence that I've always had. I love it's, it. Um, I don't, yeah, I just, I've been fortunate to, to be coached by some greats. Um, Andy Reid's been able to put me in a situation to, um, I don't know, every single week be able to maximize my strengths and then Sheriff's just going out there and having fun on the field. But yeah, I feel like. Uh, we, we agree. We think even when Gronk was still playing that you yep. were easily the best tight end in the NFL and. We celebrate that on a daily basis, but talking about Andy Reid, I'm always amazed during my career and now that I'm uh, in the uh, the media game with my man Hawk, we love watching Andy Reid because he always seems like he's got his team more well-prepared for the beginning of the season than any other team in the NFL, maybe save for the Patriots. But do you think there's anything different that you guys do versus other teams in the NFL to get yourself so ready for that week one action where a lot of teams, they go out and they look really rusty? Um I think I think Coach Reed switches it up very well uh, year to year in terms of where the offense goes, how it evolves, things like that. Which I mean, now it's a question mark of what we're what we're doing, where we're going with the play calling. So we kind of get that jump on everyone in the beginning of the season and the beginning of games. And you know, I mean, that just helps you out. That's why you know when you're with him, like he's going to put you in an opportunity or a situation that that's going to be, you know one of your strengths and all you have to do is just go out there and play, play ball. And I mean, I've been forever fortunate since I, since I've been in the league. I love it. Listen, the other hot button topics, we just want to hit you on. Cause that's like, we can't have Travis Kelsey on and not get his take on literally everything that we give our takes on. <laughs> we're all one in the same. We're just waiting for you to hang him up to join the show. That's it. So AB Hawk's been talking about trading me out for a while. Oh and I'm starting gosh, to get a little bro. nervous that he's eyeing you. And whenever you oh, decide no. to retire that you're oh, going to be his first there's draft no, pick. There's no replacing that. Listen, okay, so listen, A.B. obviously is a hot-button topic in the league. He was with the Raiders. He did anything possible to get out of that contract. I'm not going to ask you to specifically comment on A.B. because you'll probably play him in the AFC Championship, so that's fine. But tell me this, what would you do 
if you went to a team that you didn't want to be at, what is the crazy thing that you would do, Travis Kelsey, to get them to release you? Um, man. That is a great question, man. This is like evil, <laughs> like mastermind, like thought. Yeah, I, I, mean, I have no idea. Come I on. have no idea. I haven't come across this one. You haven't crossed this would, one? It would get real strategic, though. It, it would have to. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> naturally. Man, you know what I would do? I would, I would, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would do something like as aggressive as, as record a conversation. I don't know if it would be that aggressive. That was aggressive, wasn't it? He wouldn't break the law is what I was trying to say. No, no wiretapping. So it was funny when I was like in my seventh year, the Broncos were making a run. Peyton Manning was still the quarterback. Peyton called me up and basically asked me to go Antonio Brown on RGM at the time in order to get traded because there was some conversation about trading me to the Broncos because they had lost their left tackle for the season. And uh, he asked me to go into my general manager's office and to poop on his desk. <laughs> Travis Kelsey. <laughs> If you were not playing for the Chiefs, if you were playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Chiefs wanted to trade for you, would you go and poop on your GM's desk in order to get traded to the Kansas City Chiefs to play for Patrick Mahomes? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd probably poop on the desk for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, I feel like you just you gotta. There's there's some opportunities you just can't pass. You up, just can't man. pass. Joe definitely missed the boat. And for the record, the Bro the Broncos won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, and he he did. So I, I, got a, I got a Super Bowl ring in spirit. Yeah. Hey, okay. So another one. You're you're the most fashionable guy in the league. Oh, you're the most respected as far as my my eyes are concerned. What NFL player do you see their fashion and you say, man, that guy sucks at dressing? Besides Mitchell Schwartz, obviously Mitchell Schwartz dresses uh, like an idiot. No, Mitch does great. He actually gave me a, a suit guy. He gave me a recommendation. Ooh, on a suit guy. Wow. And I've used him, so thank How you, Mitchell. That? I'm actually just Mr. kidding. Schwartz. He came to Kansas City and found the plug. Mitch's mm. uh, nickname in um, Cleveland was Big Sexy, so that was obviously a joke, <laughs> Mitch, if you're listening. Obviously, you're listening. Come on, give us somebody. Give us somebody that you're like, okay, he could do better. Is that a better way to put it? I don't want to start any beef. Definitely. But... I don't, I mean. Ah. All right. Well, I don't listen, even know who. Yeah, I don't I, even. It's good. Like recognize how guys are dressing. Like it's that, good that you're not answering because this gives us a reason to bring you on for a fourth time. Okay, so that's not even. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll do some homework. All I'll right. Do some homework. I got one more question from you. This one's from Reddit from our guy Mistake Maker One Two Three Four. We've seen a lot of players retiring in their prime. What may motivates you to keep your body on the line every single week and just keep that quest going for chasing the championship? Um, I, I've always been a guy that uh, every team I've been on, man, I've uh, I've gotten close with coaches. I've gotten close with the players as like a brotherhood, a family. And uh, man, Coach Reed, I mean, he's been in there a while now, and I mean, hasn't hasn't got a hasn't got a ring on it. So I mean, just coming to work, being accountable, um, getting it for my guy, Coach Andy Reed, and uh, and Coach Eric Bieniemy, the guys that haven't uh, tasted the ring yet. You know that uh, that drives me every single day, even even the days when it's when it gets tough. So yeah. So, so money. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> you said Eric Bieniemy. Before we let you go, I'm going to tell you a quick Eric Bieniemy story. When I was 11, I had a cousin who was an undrafted free agent to the Bengals. And my brother, who also played in the league, was in college at the time. He played for the University of Cincinnati. My cousin, G. Roy Simon, was undrafted to the Bengals. So we went to Cincinnati for a day of camp. It was the first NFL experience I'd ever had. 
We were super dirt poor at the time. But my brother took us to camp to go watch my cousin. We watched the practice, the NFL guys. And I'm like, the Bengals, man, that's a, that's a pretty cool team. This is pretty cool to see NFL players. Eric Bieniemy is their starting fullback. He's coming off the field. He points in the stands at me and was like, yo, you, come here. And I'm like, mm. me? He's like, yeah, you, what's your name? I'm like, Andrew. And he's like, oh, Edgar. Come here, Edgar. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm, I'm Edgar then. So he hands me his Young Edgar. He hands me his shoulder pads and helmet. He's like, yo, take us in the locker room. Now, meanwhile, I'm 10 years old or something like that, right? I've never been in a locker room. Any, like, I have no idea what goes on. An NFL player is literally making me carry his pass to the locker room. I go in. First person I see is Jeff Blake. I see Boomer Esiason. They're at the door like having a quarterback conversation. He's like, yo, come in and get some autographs. Gives me a program, gives me a marker. I look, everybody's butt-ass naked. I'm 10 years old. I don't, I'm like, why is everyone naked? This is literally a traumatizing experience for a 10-year-old. So I'm getting my autographs and I'm just scared to death. Like, yo, why is everyone naked? And he's like, yo, good job. And I'm like, yo, that was an awesome experience. But at the same time, I, I don't know if I was ready for it, Coach. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I became a Bengals fan. That's an aggressive experience to have. I don't know why I became a Bengals fan, but here we are. Travis, man, we appreciate you as always. Join us on the Tomahawk Show. See you back here for a fourth time. Keep killing it, brother. And we are pulling for you to win the Super Bowl, all right? I appreciate you having me on the best damn podcast out there. Hey. Ooh, say it again. Tomahawk. All right, brother. Thanks a lot, Trav. Appreciate it, Trav. Talk soon. All right, fellas. Have a good See one. You. you know it. Well, there you have it. Travis Kelsey, friend of the show. First time we've had somebody on three times and I would say a third time was the charm. That was my favorite Travis Kelsey interview yeah. yet. And it makes me wonder and, and question a little bit the character of Ozzie Newsom because he once asked Travis Kelsey, son, are you a fucking asshole? And you know what? <laughs> Travis Kelsey has got to be one of the nicest guys I have ever met. He continuously amazes me with how nice he is. And all the times where he's on the field taunting people and roughing up people on the field, that just means he's a great competitor. Yeah, I, I completely agree, man. People always ask me. As a matter of fact, John, our producer here, he asked me the other day, who is my favorite player in the NFL? And I told him, Travis Kelsey. Like, the dude, is he's salt of the earth. He's funny. He's nice to everybody. I'm just a huge fan of him. So, And he's a great dresser he's and a, a great, great player. Dresser, Best man. tight end in the NFL. Yes. Even when Gronk was playing. Yes, he is the he is the GOAT. Well, yeah, I think that actually does it for today's episode of the Tomahawk Show. No. Um, if you want to interact with our show, there's lots of ways to do that. You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit at Tomahawk Show. Come on, join our Facebook group, Tama Flock. Mm. Uh, you can call the voicemail. Drop us a message, 440-628-1376. All right, yeah, man. Make sure you're tuned in. Uh, every Sunday night, we're dropping episode, video episodes. So we want to be the first ones out because we are the best. We are the most prepared. We have the hottest takes. And we want you to make sure you are getting the fill and the brunt of all of our greatness here on the Tomahawk Show. So check us out twice a week now. Um, what else? Joe, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Dak Prescott is about to be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history, but he's not going to pay his agent 3%. No, no. He's going to pay new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore 3%. 
because <laughs> Kellen Moore has put together an offense that Dak Prescott is thriving in right now. Okay. He is using shifts and motions on almost 70% of their plays after week one in against the Giants, whereas former offensive coordinator Scott Linehan was only using shifts and motions on about 43% of the plays. And as you know, Hawk, pre-snap shifts and motions help you identify man-to-man coverage versus zone coverage. And last week against the Giants, Dak Prescott was 5 of 5, 95 yards, touchdown, a 158.3 passer rating. I think that's perfect. Versus man coverage when he was using motion. Expect to see lots of shifts in motions and lots of hugs from Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott the rest of the way because Kellen Moore is about to make more money as Dak Prescott's agent slash offensive coordinator (laughs) than he did as a journeyman quarterback, which he was in the NFL. All right. Um, one person had more yards than Dak Prescott. You know who it was? Lamar Jackson. No, it was uh, Andy Dalton. Joe, take us out. Damn. <laughs> Joe, walk <Hawk> yourself. <laughs>